0: Today's program was brought to you by Brooklyn Ball Factory, a Japanese eatery and coffee shop in East Williamsburg, with a new location opening in Hell's Kitchen. Learn more at bkballfactory.com.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member supported food radio network, broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, Inside the battle over school food and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: Good evening and welcome to Foment about, about It on Heritage Radio Network.org.
3: I'm Mary Izette
2: I'm Chris Kuzmi.
3: And I'm Rachel Jacobs. And we're your co hosts through this weekly journey of all things fermented.
2: Archived on Stitcher,
3: um, iTunes, and <laughs> Heritage Radio Network.org.
2: This is our 201st episode and that is and the
3: whole gang's
4: back totally that's right
2: crazy and yeah, mary did 200 on her own we can it's,
4: pretend that this is the honorary 200th episode that's
2: right. yeah we're all back and uh very happy to be back but it is also our last episode of the season mm-hmm. um and uh that look and mary's celebrating because it's the last <laughs> episode of the season so that was a can popping open uh, oh. what do you what is it you're pouring mary
3: i am pouring uh a charm city meadworks basil lemongrass I thought from Baltimore. Draft Mead, yeah. Draft
2: Mead, very cool, very hip, Uh, but. Let's not talk about mead right now. I'm coming back from Craft Brewers Conference. Actually, we'll just go into that after some announcements. Mary has a bunch of announcements. Uh, among them are the trolley tour that's happening this Wednesday. Kelly and I are at it again. We're hosting a, a, a trolley tour, going around, starting at Transmitter Brewing Company, then going to Big Alice Brewing Company, then to Keg and Lantern Brew Pub, and then following up at Lineup and Wortega. And the theme this this time is Nano Nano. These are small breweries, and we're, we're keeping it small, drinking small. All proceeds go to Ben benefit the New York City Brewers Guild and uh, we're super excited to do it. To find out more information and get tickets by Wednesday, you can go to com to their calendar. Events.
3: You it's also, You can also Google Eventbrite. Hey, and there's a Facebook event page too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tap New York is April 29th and 30th, so not this weekend, but the next. That is at Hunter Mountain in the Catskills. It's a celebration of all uh, New York State beers.
2: Which is Freaking awesome! Every every year to see the the growth in New York State, and actually that's one of the themes of today's uh, uh, t- today's show. We'll get back to that. Uh, Pride of Brooklyn is this very same weekend. and is sold out. I.
3: It I, is not sold out. Oh wait, no, no. it's not. No, no, no. We when just I, found that I out. I swear, I looked. <laughs> I know it was. So I don't know what happened. But it is not sold <laughs> that's out. That's the Rachel important right. part. Thanks, thanks for thanks to Rachel. Oh uh, well yeah so
2: april 29th. um 29th
4: it's april 29th uh, which is not this saturday but the next saturday um from 1 to 5 p.m i believe at Littlefield in uh, Gowanus, brooklyn and so if you guys want tickets uh it's a wonderful homebrewing competition it's uh littlefield brooklyn.com littlefieldnyc.com uh and the tickets are on ticket fly tickets so are on ticket fly i think
2: it's their fourth one or fifth annual fourth or fifth annual i'll be judging uh, and i'll be definitely be there and uh I might just fun. go
3: and taste man I never do that
2: I know We usually were stuck in the back Well they're, we're judging it differently this time So that we're going to do a bed, best of show Because I think when you and I judged it We judged 20 Almost 30 beers in one seat seating We spent our entire time in the back judging And then it was over And we didn't get to see anybody and hang out So now they're splitting like up the going, teams a, I
3: like to go hang I might buy yeah. a ticket
2: Now they're splitting up teams Um HomebrewCon, yep. HomebrewCon, The National Homebrewers Conference is happening. It's in Minneapolis this year, June 15th to 17th. Uh, early pricing ends this Thursday, April 20th. Go to the AmericanHomebrewersAssociation.org. Get uh, get on that. Uh, that is freaking awesome and inspiring every year.
3: So on Sunday, April 30th at 6 p.m., Veteran Esters is hosting Tara Witsit. Um, For which you know from our show Fermentation on Wheels For a potluck culture exchange And pre-release book party So that's at Bitter and Esters 700 Washington Avenue Which is Prospect Heights, Brooklyn Bring some fermented dishes, beverages And or starter cultures To share and swap with other fermenters Uh, Bitter and Esters is celebrating I'm just going to keep going With the Bitter and Esters They are celebrating Big Brew Day Saturday, May 6th, 12 p.m. to 4 p.m., they're going to have a brew going for each of the official Big Brew Day recipes, which include Rushmore American IPA, Batra, I'm going to butcher this, La Cezanne, and Klang Freudenfest Oktoberfest Lager. You got that one. <laughs> well, also, they're also going to be offering a 10% discount on ingredients for all current AHA members and a 20% discount for people who sign up on the day of the event, plus food, homebrew, samples, and raffle prizes.
2: That very same day is the very first day of Queens Beer Week. And I'm so proud as Fifth Hammer to be part of Queens. Uh, we're opening in Long Island City, hopefully midsummer. Uh, lots of developments have been happening with that. And I'm actually coming fresh straight from Rockaway Brewing Company. We just brewed a collaboration today uh, uh, to serve that weekend. So, kind of, uh, because we're not brewing on our own premise uh, at the Queens Beer Week opening party, which is available, the kickoff party is going to be at the LIC Landing, and it benefits firefighters in New York. Uh, you can go to queensbeerweek.org. Uh, to to get information about that and about other happenings throughout the week. But uh, Fifth Hammer is not going to have a booth of its own uh, or serving its own beer but we're going to have the Fifth Hammer Friend Zone so doing collaborations and things that we've done around Queens and we're excited to to be there and uh, throughout the week we'll hopefully be you know, slyly showing people into our space because we have toilets now, which is really exciting. I think that was like one of the biggest yes. things that happened that last month. That is the
4: best news for a brewery. To <laughs> now have. we can oh invite
2: people over and invite people over to the house without having to. Uh, I don't
4: want to sleep. know what you did before.
2: It's funny. My partner Dave says that he thinks that the coffee shop uh, might. If now that he's not going to be going there to go to the bathroom, they're going to wonder what happened to him. But <laughs> fine. We can put out a missing persons report uh, because of his frequency. Uh,
4: <laughs> well, speaking of Fifth Hammer, so. Tell us a little bit about uh, your reporting from CBC.
2: Reporting from CBC. This is a very interesting year. It's been a very heavy year uh, for me Experience CBC. So I'm fresh back from uh, CBC being uh, the Craft Brewers Conference 2017. I've been going to the Craft Brewers Conference ever since I started uh, doing things here in New York. Uh, I went, I think, the first time in 2011. So this is my seventh year. Um, and this is my first year as a brewery owner and not necessarily a brewery up and running. So I had a lot of things to check off my list. But one of the reasons I keep going back and I find it so inspirational is because of all the knowledge and, and, uh, that's, that's being shared, the camaraderie that's, camaraderie that's still being shared. We're still a, a growing market and one where people are mostly friendly, 99% not jerks. Um, it, was pretty, it was pretty amazing and inspirational, especially because the kind of people that you see and meet uh, here you know, you can just be in a conversation and all of a sudden you're in conversation with heavy people. So let's talk about exactly kind of do a quick timeline and we'll get to kind of what went down. I went down on a Monday night. It was in Washington DC this year and uh, the Brewers Association last year when I came back, we talked about the initiative that they, they just uh, went in with this Smithsonian. Uh, we now have a, uh, a, a director of, of, a brewing historian, um, Teresa McCullough, um, and that program is finally underway. And we have a relationship now with the with the Smithsonian. And the welcome party was at the Nat- Museum of Natural History. And so there were all these booths, like under the whales. All oh, there was so much. It was just an amazing place to have a beer festival. Um, I got there straight off the bus, met a lot of people, uh, caught up with a lot of people. And I'm walking out the the you know after it was closing and i ran into to uh, our friend from ski mike bermel um and also gary fish from deschutes and so here i am talking to gary or gary fish from deschutes such an inspiration over the years he's had deschutes for 30 years he started on a 10 barrel system in bend and now he's he's a nationally you know acclaimed brand and he just has so much knowledge in the industry and uh he imparted some really great knowledge about not being afraid to throw away batches he threw away the first 10 batches and he remembers like christmas Eve, at like just uh, away from his family and pouring hot water on his fermenters, just waiting for it. He didn't want to lose that latest batch. And so he's pouring hot water in the middle of winter. It's so cold in there. He's trying to heat up the the, uh, the fermentation tanks until he sees a bubble to make sure it ferments or make sure it's going. Anyway, that was just, it was just really neat to, you know, we all, it's humble beginnings to, to great things. And a guy like Gary Fish, you just stumble into these conversations. Next day, we, we started off and Teresa, Teresa McCullough, did a after the keynote speech uh, with, with uh, well, I forget the inspirational talk that was there. That's
4: <laughs> okay. The expedition lady. Down, <laughs> <Yeah>. we'll, come <laughs> no, we'll come back
2: to that. We'll come back to that. Well, I'm sorry. After the, the, uh, uh, key, uh, the keynote speech speaker, which this year was one of the first times they did two keynote speeches. They did one keynote speech with an inspirational speaker, uh, this lady who did a, uh, the first woman expedition uh, to climb the, the tallest peak, and I cannot recall her name, which is inspirational stuff, but, and then also the other keynote speaker, which is the day after, they had uh, uh, Dick Cantwell. Um, so one brewing side and one one inspirational, motivational speaker. But anyway, went to Teresa's talk to talk about kind of what she's doing and how she's approaching the, the history
3: Alison Levine. Alison Levine.
2: Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, She was very nice and, uh, yes, inspirational. Uh, But then I went to... to, Teresa McCullough's Theresa talk. McCullough's talk. And I think it's fascinating. She's the right person for the job. So she's only been in the job for three months. Um, and she is taking it extremely seriously. She will be a guest on our show in this next season. And uh, basically, she's finding she's going on trips all around the States uh, to talk to people and and take their stories in. And she's also taking donations of artifacts, um, just different brewing artifacts from anyone, pro, Joe, anything, as long as the artifacts have tell a story. If the, if the artifacts are interesting enough to tell a story of brewing or the people behind it and uh, and they're collecting everything right now and kind of going into how to how to display it. Um, it's it's really hip.
4: Wait, so they're going to start a beer artifacts museum? Of uh, some yes,
2: sort? yes, they'll be. Uh, they want it to be. Comprehensive and inclusive, uh, including brewers' stories, uh, the brewers and the growers, uh, oral histories, so people and voices. Uh, the objects need to tell a story. They need to be something where it includes brewing in everyday life, or they need to be uh, to represent extraordinary experiences. Um, and it's really, really hip. And I, of course, I met her after, and I offered all of our recordings here because, <laughs> because as comment about it, we, we meet so many people and have all these inspirational stories, and I, that share program is is a, an important thing to do. Anyway, from there I went to seminars, uh, Stan Huron and and uh, uh, talked foraging things. We went on from there, met friends at Church Key, went to a Yakima Chief event, then went to Jack Rose where... Where I met Jake Goodwin. I was super excited. I'm a fanboy of Jake Goodwin. Jay Goodwin is a, is a host of The Sour Hour. He's also a co-founder of The Red Barrel. Uh, and that was really hip. And so we'd planned on the next day doing a ferment About It episode. But we're just going to catch up and do it later next season because it's CBC. And just things roll and roll. And just like life unfolds. Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans.
4: So stay tuned for that next season. Stay tuned though.
2: for that next season. Damn straight. And from there, after Jack Rose, I had to close at Ben's Chili Bowl because that's a classic uh, Washington, D.C. thing to do. You go have a chili dog at Ben's Chili Bowl, and who's there except Chris Johnson from Green Bench and Jeffrey Jeffrey Stuffings from, from Jester King. So expect some of that hopefully next season as well. I'm super excited about that. But that's like that's what happens at NHC. It's just it's 13,000 brewers from across the country around doing their thing, and you stumble into people that, that are just inspirational, and you get new ideas. You you they're right now collaborating is a great way to learn, and uh, and a really exciting thing about the world getting smaller in brewing. There was all sorts of things. Uh, the next day, really quick, we'll get to this before we go to a couple of interviews that I did. Uh, we had the, um, the media, the, the press event uh, for people. And so one, some of the new things that the Brewers Association is doing is they are starting a diversity and inclusion subcommittee uh, to help mm-hmm. promote uh, underrepresented people. Uh, Bob Peace, uh, you know, says, believes that diversity is not a problem to be solved, but it's a value to be lived and wants to make sure that we're kind of... Working under that under that pretense uh, in brewing, so some of the initiatives that they're going to right now, it's really about gathering data and figuring out how they can start promoting underrepresented groups um, through, in part, through activities uh, to promote it. Um, just targeting different areas to to try and get uh, the craft brewers, brewing world. Like right now, we're underserved in a lot of minorities and and women. Uh, it's it's pretty pretty one-sided it's <laughs> unfortunately super under like and the it's a rest
4: tough. of the world
2: i mean ultimately the quality of the product needs to stay as, as strong as, as possible and so so education through educational events everywhere uh hopefully we can do that um the trade expo was pretty incredible there was 850 exhibitors this year for me i had some line line items that i needed to explore for the brewery uh, i went through a lot of that um but we talked a lot about growth this year um there's, there's just still so much growth happening. Um, last year in February, we had uh, uh, <laughs> we had Bart Watson on the show at Stats What I'm Talking About. Um, and so I had a chance to talk to him. We are now – well, let's just go straight into these interviews. Let's wait. Talk, wait.
3: I think that it should be mentioned first before we get to these interviews because you talked about the new – um, committee that the Brewers Association yes. performed, but you didn't mention that the BA has announced plans to crack down on offensive yes. sexist beer labels. Also, oh, that was also
2: in the... So I think yeah. that's
3: worth note, noting that the Brewers Association um, has added two new lines to its marketing and advertising code, and basically it says that... Um,
2: well, they're, they're going to not announce on the stage any beer names or breweries. That
3: contain sexually explicit, lewd, or demeaning brand names, language, text, graphics, photos, video, or other images that reasonable adult consumers would find inappropriate for consumer products offered to the public, or contain derogatory or demeaning text or images. So their marketing and advertising code advises brewers that, along with avoiding advertisements that encourage things like underage consumption or drunk driving, their marketing materials should also not contain those things. Sexually explicit, derogatory, etc. And then it announced that beers entered into the annual Great American Beer Festival and biannual World Beer Cup competitions would henceforth be subject to review by the newly formed Advertising Complaint Review Panel, composed of three members independent from the beer industry with experience in law, marketing, and acad- academia. Um, and brands of panels that the panel finds fall outside the BA's advertising code will still be allowed to win the awards, but will be banned from using them in any brewery marketing. And will not have their names announced during award com- uh, ceremonies, right? Day. And so,
2: specifically, how they're going to do it is still some of it's still being worked out. I mean, it's clearly it's a subjective uh, issue, and uh, but at least they'll have control over over their viewpoint on it.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, Was well, an independent panel? I think that's great right, right. because right. you know there's been a lot of discussion about. Beers like what? There's over 150 beers that contain the word "panty" in untapped the untapped registry, and there's no reason for that. That's way too many. Yeah, it's shitty to it be zero. Terrible word,
2: right? Um, but I look forward to joining this industry and leading by any sort of example with my names as, right. as I as I can, and not, hopefully not puns. crossing these lines. Um, I've yeah, I cross the line with puns. <laughs> I like just use too many puns. I find I'm, I'm I got I got mad dad jokes anyway. <laughs> But we're, oh, Mary said so we're gonna we're gonna take a break before we play this interview be these interviews and we'll, we'll, I'll introduce those in a moment. Then uh, thanks for listening to Samantha about it, episode two hundred and
0: one. This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Ball Factory, a Japanese eatery and coffee shop with locations at 95 Montrose Avenue in East Williamsburg and 729 8th Avenue in Hell's Kitchen. They're brewing up some of the city's best tea and coffee, now in Brooklyn and Manhattan. Grab a pour over, matcha latte, or yuzu ginger mint tea. For lunch, Brooklyn Ball Factory offers Japanese comfort food, like sandwiches and muffins. Or, think inside the box, and order one of their bentos, like meatball, grilled veggies, or pork shabu-shabu. The meatballs, a favorite, are made with beef chuck roll and short rib in a sweet sour sauce of apples cooked in soy. The new location, Brooklyn Ball Factory Hell's Kitchen, is now serving sushi bombs. If you're in the mood for dessert, try dorayaki, traditional Japanese snacks that are made to order and served warm. Brooklyn Ball Factory takes the classic mini pancake sandwiches with red bean paste and puts a modern twist on them by adding mascarpone cheese and additional stuffing, like Japanese sweet potato, cream cheese, chocolate ganache, matcha white chocolate, or mochi. Visit Brooklyn Ball Factory at 95 Montrose Avenue in East Williamsburg and 729 8th Avenue in Hell's Kitchen. Brooklyn Ball Factory is now available to cater your next business lunch or cocktail party. Learn more at bkballfactory.com.
2: Welcome back to episode 201 of The Men About It dot org. This is the last show of the season. I'm fresh back from uh, the Craft Brewers Conference 2017, where I just I met so many people, caught up with so many people, and I freaking looked at 850 different exhibitors on the floor, all f- towards uh, towards this very exciting year when I'm opening uh, Fifth Hammer Brewing Company. It's been a dream for a very long time. We're very excited to, to, to do this. But why do this? There are so many brewers now in the country. Um, it's just... Uh, you know, and we live in New York, where we can have we have access to all the all of these really great beers. But really, there's such a, an incredible uh, community that surrounds craft brewing, and, and there's creativity and diversity within it. And uh, I just I I can't I'm, I'm addicted. To that. I find it to be a vocation, and uh, I've been playing the, the the beer game in New York City for a long time. And actually, I just want to bring this up before before we go into this this uh, thing. I. When I catch up with all these people at NHC, I realize how long I've been in it and these relationships that I've developed so long, and I ran into Scott Vaccaro, uh, who is uh, the founder of Captain Lawrence, and we caught up at the uh, New York State Prison Association uh, happy hour. Uh, that was put on uh, in conjunction with dws printing out in long island so thanks for a great party and a great hang um but you know we were just talking about you know i remember when scott just had just started and i was like oh man i can't believe i'm getting things are things are crazy it's so, so different now than when you started and he's like it's it's never what it was it always is what it is remember that and you'll be good and I just appreciate that, Scott. It's always, it's always the now. And today is different than yesterday. And the scene is rapidly changing. Um, but there are numbers to support uh, this, this fun growth. And here are some interviews about the state of affairs in the United States and New York State, uh, as told by Bart Watson and Paul Leon. We're here at uh, the Brewers Association booth at uh, Craft Brewers Conference 2017. I'm here with Bart Watson. You may remember from episode 149, Stats What I'm Talking About, uh, aired in February of 2016. A lot has happened. A lot has changed. Uh, Bart, remind us what it is. You are a beer economist for the Brewery EA, uh, which is a full-time job. Yep. Amazingly. <laughs> Amazingly. So let's talk about that. Why is it a full-time job uh, and, and why is it important to have you?
5: Well, you know, the industry is obviously much more competitive and complex than it was before, and so my role at the BA is to to track the the craft market and, and a whole bunch of other markets that affect craft brewers and, you know, give them information to make business decisions in the context of, you know, all the things that are going on. And on behalf of all of us, thank you for it, because the information that you've been proven or doing, sorting through has been really valuable
2: for us to kind of figure out how to set our models. And let's talk about some of those models as well. Uh, the uh, It used to be that we were trying to go back to normality of the number of breweries that we had before Prohibition, and now we've surpassed that. Um, What is the current count of breweries in the United States?
5: We're about 5,300 active breweries, um, but that number is changing daily. There's more than 7,700 active federal permits, and we're still seeing brewery brewery openings be really strong. We're still at that two-a-day rate, uh, if not slightly higher, so... Um, you know, every day we're finding new ones added into the database, and, and it, it keeps going up and up and up. And I had a very specific question that uh, we kind of got talked to the other day. Uh,
2: even though we've we've surpassed the technical number of breweries for, for Prohibition, how does that relate to the amount of people in the United States? And when do we hit that number
5: well or is that possible we we, we may never hit the same <laughs> level of per capita that we've seen i mean in the late 18 1800s you know there were more than four thousand breweries but you know we had a lot less people back then mm-hmm. so um you know on a per capita basis uh, you know i was looking this up yesterday and it's a little hard to know how many of those people were 21 plus i guess you probably only had to be 18 plus in the 1800s but um, to be counted by census uh no oh, to just drink to okay. drink yeah, yeah. To, so you know you could probably support a different level at, at our level of population but um we would need more like thirty thousand breweries to have the same per capita level. Since you know we've seen pretty strong population increases in the U.S. over the last hundred fifty years,
2: so we're one sixth of the way there. Yep. Um, but but the, and the growth that we're still seeing is two, uh, two per day ish on average. Yep. Uh, growing in the United States, but it slowed a little bit last year. Is that? Um,
5: like, case? Yes and no. I mean, you know, our. our Official opening number always lags a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for instance, we don't get the California annual filer list, um, so there's a bunch that we may still have in planning that actually did produce a little bit of beer in 2016. So um, I, you know, we'll, we'll revise those numbers up a little bit, and I, I think 2016 was probably actually a slightly stronger opening year than 2015. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of states come online, and you know, going back to the per capita thing, one of the things that's interesting is we do see parts of the country that that are now past that per capita level, so it's not. Completely impossible. I mean, Vermont has more breweries per capita than the U.S. had uh, back in the 1800s. But um, as a whole, as a country, you know, 30,000 breweries—that's that's a lot.
2: So that's interesting. So as far as record tracking, and it's, you know, the world is a lot smaller now. Our, our, mm-hmm. We record things a lot different. We tally things a lot differently. Uh, are you able to sectionalize uh, where the brewery concentration brewery concentrations
5: were pre-prohibition? And is there to to a certain extent? You know, I mean, one of the challenges with records back then is that you know there wasn't. Uh, a TTB in quite the same way there was now. Obviously, they were gathering information for taxes, but um, you know it's a little bit harder to pinpoint you know the, where the breweries were with the same specificity that we can do now, since you know thanks to great data, the internet. I mean, it's you know a lot easier to track things than it, than it was back then, but. Um, you can look at it. I mean, there's, you know, I have a great book on my desk at, at work, "100 Years of Brewing." You know, and it's breaking down all the breweries and you know 1900 by state. And um, oh, cool. I have a lot of fun lining that up and then thinking about that and you know trying to, to draw some comparisons. I love it. Um, you you do a great job of sharing how it is that you track data on on the website. Is that Craftbeer.com or, or the Brewers Association? Uh, BrewersAssociation.org is is the place where I do most of my writing. Occasionally, mm-hmm. I do an enthusiast one on Craftbeer.com, yeah. but mostly on the professional side.
2: Well, I appreciate you sharing all of this and. Thank Thank you for the work that you do, and uh, Bartman, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Wonderful. Well, that's that's why we're here. <laughs> Cheers. We're here at the Craft Brewers Conference. I'm sitting here with uh, our very own New York State uh, Director of at the, the, the American... The, the Executive commercial. Director of the
6: New York State Brewers Association. <laughs>
2: Paul Leone. Or, like in other
6: words. words, the coolest job in the world, because I get to hang out with guys like you, and, uh, yeah, it's awesome.
2: Paul, you're the best. I love what you've done for our state, and, and I remember when you were the, you were the, the Brewers Association's first hire, official hire. I was, right? yeah.
6: You know, the, the association was founded in 2003 by nine board of directors, and it just the state... Uh, the pressure um, uh, of the number of breweries coming
2: in, they're like, well, we need to hire somebody full-time to help manage this. And what managing means what? What kind of things are we doing for the state? And uh, and what what are the initiatives of, of the New York State Brewers Association? First and
6: foremost, and, and even since the founding into 2003, legislative uh, issues have been number one, right? So how can we, uh, how can the board and how can we as an association uh change the laws or or enhance the laws so that you and everybody else who opens a brewery in New York State can put more money in your pocket and can grow
2: and and, uh, really be the economic impact and machine that you are. And you brought a lot of people down. Uh, the first day here, you did a, you did a uh, you went to Congress. Or you, how many people did you visit, and what what was the impetus of, of going to Capitol Hill? We did lobby day, and this is
6: for uh, federal excise tax reform. Uh, we've been going after this every year, and it basically um, you know basically most brewers pay seven dollars a barrel uh, for federal excise tax, and we're going to get that cut to three dollars and fifty cents.
2: And you took a posse from New York State representing us and the people close, but this affects all brewers in, this, in the in the country. This yeah, for this uh, particular piece it's
6: every brewer in the country uh, mm-hmm. benefits from this
2: and then back to new york state when you started how many brewers
6: were that were there in new york state when i started in 2013 there were 120 uh and now there are 326 326 yeah i find oh. out about brewery openings like on facebook you know yeah. what i mean it's
2: just like you know it's like wow this is just so huge it's pretty awesome i mean i'm really proud of our state and what what's happening in our state and uh the governor's been very uh, uh just open to the craft brewing industry with the craft beer or the, the farm brewery license that we have. It's been pretty awesome.
6: Our economic impact is over $4 billion, right? So, so of course the governor should be behind it and the legislators because that's taxes, that's jobs. Um, it's manufacturing the good old-fashioned way. It's, it's, and, and as you know, being in New York City, I mean, neighborhoods get revitalized when breweries move in. Yeah.
2: And so I was talking to Bart Watson this morning. Much more awake now. We had an mm-hmm. interview like yeah. at 8:45 a.m. Yeah. on wow, Thursday. Than me. Oh my yep. god. Both of us are like, yeah. Uh, but uh, these numbers are, are fascinating because for a long time we were talking about, you know, getting back to normality and what we had uh, brewery-wise uh, before Prohibition. Um, and one thing that that, that is not. We want to talk about how it relates to per capita. Mm-hmm. So do we know what, the, what we had in New York State before Prohibition? Before
6: Prohibition, there were about 350 breweries, uh, and there were uh, with a population of 5 million. So now we're at 326, so we're, we're reaching that number, but with a population of 20 million. Wow. So what that tells you is, is that there's still a lot of room to grow. I mean, I think that you know, we're forecasting 500 breweries or more in New York State. Uh, over the next few years before it really starts leveling off I never want to say there's going to be a bubble burst because there's not going to burst but it will level off at some point
2: right it's it's just a shift in paradigm in how we how we uh value or treat or, or feel about breweries. And, and and so to that to that regard, before Prohibition, what were what was the metric for, or what kind of breweries were we talking about when we talked about you know, 350? I, mean, I, I think it's it a, a lot of, of and, and you
6: know from being in New York City, I mean, that's where a lot of them were um, yeah. at one point in time. And really, they were the small breweries that service their neighborhood, their communities, that sort of thing. And that's what the vast majority of breweries opening up in New York State yeah. are opening up in small towns. Uh, they're not looking to distribute all over the state, or even package for that for that matter. They're they're tasting rooms in their towns, they're gathering places, and so in some ways, I think it's going back to the way it used to be. Yeah, uh, right on. And
2: uh, and the people the you people feel the are, same way, absolutely. And that's okay. and that, that that drive is a lot of kind of what has me into it. I mean, mm-hmm. we're building out, and thankfully, thankfully, the Craft Beer Act was was. was happens that we're allowed to sell by the glass from our our tasting room, whether we have a farm brewery license or not, as a production brewery in New York State. Mm -hmm. I don't believe every state is like that yet. I mean, I think uh, Georgia might be the last one to to be dealing with that issue, or they passed it, but it's not in effect yet. Um, But that is a great... That's, I think that's a lot of what's driving everything. Right. And look
6: at. Let's use an example. I mean, look at this. And I haven't been to your space, but just from the pictures that I've seen, it looks like you're revitalizing this space. Yeah. And you're really going to transform it into something that that. Uh, and then you're going to hire people, and you're going to yeah. be an economic machine. And, and who loses right. in that? You mean nobody?
2: Uh, maybe my family, because I'll be so busy at work, and I'll have a yeah. new home. And yeah, yeah, like, come okay. on! Oh no, no, just, <laughs> just the beginning. You're right. You're yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah, then you'll but, retire, I and mean, you just hire people. Just, do it. You and Mary can well, relax. We're building there. it out to be there. We're building it out to be that, that community hub and a right. place where people can gather and, and, and experience their neighborhood and, and their communities. And, and I, I agree that that that's mm-hmm. kind of that's the hit part. I mean, the the the, the bar, the local bar, it's kind of the it what's habit. so
6: rewarding too. I mean, I. I uh, you are such a. You particularly are, are an institution. You and Mary both are in New York City. Everybody oh, shut knows shut you me. guys. No, 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 no seriously. Take this off record, right? No, no, no. But <laughs> well, I, well, I like, you, not even know it's true. I mean, you guys are so important to the New York City beer scene, uh, and, and and New York City beer is is um, is becoming a real force, not only yeah. in New York State, uh, but in the country. You know, I mean, look what's happening in Brooklyn and Long Island City and, and Queens, and it's like, wow, there are some really great things happening.
2: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, back to the economic impact of New York State. Mm-hmm. I think they, they showed stats on the, on the board last year at the, at the, at the thing about uh, about the growth and. In, in, in in the United States, mm-hmm. and last year I think we were a fifth per capita, or a fifth, uh, fifth of our yeah, yeah, state. we're uh, we're
6: number uh, we're number four in number of breweries, and number five in economic impact. In economic impact, yeah, okay, yeah, four in number of breweries and five in yeah, economic so that's impact. Two really that's big numbers out of 50, out of fifty states, yep. fifty one if you count DC. Right. I think what we have to do in New York is it still drives me a little crazy that when you talk about great beer in the country, New York's still not really in the conversation. Right. Uh, and, and I, I think it's unfair because I know I'm biased and I know you're biased but I don't really think we are. There's a lot of great beer coming out of New York State. There
2: really is and, uh, and <laughs> I could go on and on about this. I mean New York City is a kind of a funny place where even even the local people they want what they can't get and I feel like you know, that's been a challenge in New York yeah. because of the type of people and the type of uh, um, kind of just way of life we've, we've created there. You know, we, get the, we get everything there and, and it is a media microphone um, and the, but the stuff people talk about, it's that they can't get, and they take their local stuff kind of for granted. That's starting to change. We're starting mm-hmm. to shift like we have. But we are making a lot of noise, and, and I hope that uh, we can do more for, for the rest of the state and get everybody on board with it. It's about telling the stories, sharing the stories, and yeah. it's about you, uh, it's all, a, all the work that you guys are doing. And, and, it's a great story. And the yeah. app, oh, of the stories and getting involved, what is, this, what is the app that the New York State Brewers Association to put together? So
6: I always start off saying, like, you need another app, right? You know, people are <laughs> joking. Everybody's got a million right. apps. So, But the cornerstone of our New York craft beer app is there's a passport program built in. Uh, There's a lot of states like Vermont, for instance, that have had a really successful paper passport program. Uh, So I'm like, well, who's driving this? Uh, Well, millennials are driving this movement, right? And where do they live? They live on their devices. Uh, Same with Gen X. So we created a New York craft beer app. Uh, We put in a passport program in it. So go to any brewery in New York State and you get your passport stamped digitally. You get 25 stamps. Uh, We send you a T-shirt. Uh, you, you know, you get 50 stamps, we send you an enthusiast package and the levels keep going up as you get more stamps and really the whole idea behind it is to get people to, to really get out and visit as many breweries as possible. Uh, we added a statewide leaderboard. To it, which is a lot of fun. So you can see the top twenty people in New York State, how many they visited, and where yeah. they are.
2: and uh, who, who's at the top of this list right now? I am by what? one. What? By, by one. <laughs> said he was winning Scott, yesterday. Oh, um, <laughs> you know
6: what? He probably cheated and added a few more. Uh, but yeah, Scotty Beltman, But it's really fun. Like people go at it on social media. They're like, "I'm coming after you this week." Yeah. I got to visit two more breweries. And like, that's the whole point. That's what yeah. you want the consumer to get excited yeah. about because. You know, in New York City, you can easily visit 20, 25 breweries. But in order to get past that level, you've got to really start visiting more breweries. And we're hoping it becomes infectious and, and again, drives people to your tasting
2: rooms. You have a teleporter that apparently visited four different breweries within the span of five minutes. How do you mitigate that on the back end? We are
6: working with an app company. People are really creative. If you go into a brewery uh, and it's all geolocated, and for some reason, the stamp doesn't work. You can put in a manual stamp. Um, And you're supposed to take a selfie of yourself to prove that you're at the bar, uh, you're at the the brewery. And then I get that picture, and I can say, okay, I'll give you your stamp sort of thing. And people are so shifty, man. uh, (laughs) I had a guy uh, send me that he was at Lake Placid Pub and Brewery, um, and he took a picture of the sign. uh, And it was beautiful green grass and sunshine. I'm like, there's three feet of snow in Lake Placid right now. And so people have been pulling stuff off of Google Images and all that other stuff. So it's been kind of fun. Um, uh, no no obscene picks yet, yeah, God, because no, no. I don't want to come across that. Right. Uh, you, you Beltman. I so know it's, it's coming. Beltman's you know, coming.
2: coming for you. It's yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. It, yeah. So that
6: passport program's really good, and then the other really great button on it, uh, that's really useful is uh, nearby breweries. And yeah. It sounds basic, but no matter where you're standing, you hit nearby breweries, and it'll tell you everybody that's near you. And that's a really useful function because you can you know you go somewhere and you're like, well, what, what breweries are around me? Yeah. Hit that button on the app, and it'll tell you exactly where so they are.
2: Currently, it's just focusing on the breweries. Uh, is just there, New York State beer. Is, uh, just New York State beer. Yep. Uh, is there is there a plan for for to have an affiliate program or another button that, that shows uh, places that have 80% New York State taps or is this is part of the discussion for a This is term? certainly
6: version one yeah. right? and so there's a lot of different ways and other state guilds are now doing it based on our app Cool. because and but they're adding little things like that. So they're putting their own touches on it. So yeah, actually absolutely. Retailer program. I think we're going to integrate New York City Beer Week into it mm-hmm. somehow. So there's all sorts of things that kind of really promote New York State beer. Great.
2: We're really excited. And thank you for all the work you do, Paul. I love you. Well, and thanks man. Thank you for the work you, you do. Thank you for the kind uh, words that I'll have to edit out now. No, you're not no, editing I'm them out. No, I'm not. <laughs> Keep them in. <laughs> well, seriously, <thank> you. Sure. <laughs> you can't take it back. It's on tape. I'm take. not going to take it back. It's the <laughs> truth. <laughs> thank it's you. For about. It. It. <laughs> And that was Paul Leone of the New York State Brewers Association. And before him was Bart Watson, uh, the beer econ- economist for... Chief economist. Chief economist. for the Brewers Association. Uh, and uh, our <laughs> interviews were in the a.m. on Thursday of CBC. So my voice is hoarse, a little tired. We're all weary. Uh, but it was, uh, again, I can't... If you are thinking of opening a brewery in the United States... Uh, or anywhere, actually, it's it's worth being part of the American uh, by the Brewers Association. There's a lot of really great information and resources um, that they have to give, and uh, and I can't I can't promote or thank the Brewers Association enough for what they do on our on our behalf as craft brewers.
3: Awesome. I'm sad I didn't get to go, but.
2: I'm proud to be opening up in New York State. I'm proud to be a New York State brewer. I'm proud to be an American brewer. And I am proud to be a co-host with the likes of you here on Fement About It. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Mary Izette. And you look like you're about to read something. We about to read something?
3: I am. Because we <laughs> talked, so 201 episodes. Yeah. Holy cow. I don't know how that happened. Um, also, I think one thing we haven't done in the past is a season recap.
2: Ah, yeah. So
3: one thing, you know, we do these episodes, sometimes we re-listen to them, but sometimes we don't. And... And listening to a podcast and and hosting one are two totally different things. Voice.
2: I should re-listen to them. I could. Yeah. So stand I, anyway, too. I
3: personally went back through this episode because um, I like to think a lot of times I listen to something. And I'm like, oh man, I want to do that. I want to try that. And then I just it. I don't know. It goes somewhere back in the deep recesses of my that brain. that off happen. coming along. It's yeah, me. <laughs> Hey, I haven't been fishing yet, man. Somebody's got to take me fishing, and it can't be in the city. So we're working on that. Okay, so I went back through some of the episodes of this season and just picked out, like, some little tidbits. I actually had a really good time this season, um... And we, I think we did some shows that we have been meaning to do, and we're kind yeah. of getting a different angle. So I'll go into that. But anyway, I went back and picked out some tidbits. So episode 190, Life is Fickle, Make Pickles with Amanda Pfeiffer. Um, she talked about veggie kvass, which is an absolutely amazing beverage for summer. I have not made it yet, but let me tell you, we have the season break coming up. This is the last episode of the season, by the way, and we'll be back May 8th. Or I think that's the Monday, right? May 8th. Um, the Here other thing, Queens Beer Week. Yep. The other thing she talked about was miso doku, which I want to try. And I actually was looking up some miso doku recipes and came across someone that had done sashimi in it, as well as tofu. So if I get brave, we'll start with tofu, Kuzme. But then if I get brave, I'll pick up some fresh sashimi at probably at Chelsea Market and uh, we'll get it. Oh, although there's a sashimi shop in uh, Williamsburg now. Anyway. 194, kimchi with kadim of Mama O's. So I like he uses lime juice in his kimchi. I haven't done that yet, so I'd like to do that. He also mentioned cauliflower kimchi, which I'd like to try. And his favorite uh, dish to make with kimchi, which was a very simple kimchi soup. He also uh, inspired me to rethink the types of peppers used in kimchi, and maybe even using some fresh uh, peppers as well, hot peppers. 197, mead... Meet me at Honey's with Raphael Lyons of Enlightenment Wines. He had mentioned hallucinogenic honey, so I looked it up, and lo and behold, came across this really cool documentary on YouTube called "Hallucinogenic Honey Hunters." You two can watch it. It takes place in Nepal, and it includes what happens if you eat too much hallucinogenic honey, which you do not want to do. Let me tell you. Um, and that I'll is actually that. oh man, I don't think I want to eat any hallucinogenic let me tell honey. You. That's where you and I differ. Yeah, you don't want to eat too much. Trust me. You should watch this video. Anyway, just just go Google YouTube "Hallucinogenic Honey Hunters" um, and it'll come up. And by the way, the reason that these particular uh, this particular type of honey, which was also called mad honey, and you can find in Turkey as well as many uh, other places in that in that area, is caused by something called granitoxin, which comes from rhododendrons and related plants. So, um, yep. 198, Shochu, want to know about Shochu? So now I can pronounce Shochu after.
2: Sort of. Shochu. You
3: for a second. After struggling through a show. I will say, so I walk around, I walk like. Shochu? Shochu. I can say in Shochu, Shochu, Shochu. Anyway, so I walk, I'm a sales rep by day, and I walk the streets of Manhattan like six to nine miles every single day. So I will say that the five days following that show, I would just walk around saying Shochu, 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 Shochu. And I can say it now, guys. <laughs> anyway, I will say that Stephen Lyman, um, not only do I know how to pronounce shochu, but I have much more confidence in ordering it. And I haven't gone to one of the shochu uh, joints that he mentioned, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, and then the last two episodes, 199 with Driftway Coffee and 200 with Raku Chocolate, was super cool because I got to learn... I, you know, we've I've taken coffee classes and chocolate classes. We used to do chocolate and beer pairings. Mm-hmm. But, man, you can always learn something new. And I really enjoyed. We have, a, I mentioned this last week, we've adjusted the uh, temperature of our coffee water to 195 as proper. And I'm enjoying it. Um, and then, oh, man, I meant to bring a Raku chocolate bar to oh, share Raka with chocolate? you guys. Dang it.
1: Raka. Raka. Sorry, Raka. Raka. Or uh, Raka. Raka. Yeah.
3: I can't pronounce that yet, but anyway, uh, but I think, (laughs) (coughs) and we're definitely want to do some more, uh, I want to go forward with more tasting elements of the show, Um, but I would also invite all of you out there who who are listening, whether it be on a regular or semi-regular basis, what do you want to hear about? What do you want us to talk about? Are there guests that you would like us to? to uh, invite to come on the show. I know some of the ideas we've mentioned this, sh- this sh- during this show, but um, we also we've been talking about doing Chicha for a long time. Oh, yes. There are many universities chicha, that are yeah. doing... Uh, four-year fermentation programs or, or other types of fermentation courses and programs. So we would like to do a show, uh, including a, we have a friend who's a student at one of them, and we've also met a couple people who are the directors of fermentation programs. So we'd like to do a, a show on that because that's, man, when I was in college, we couldn't go to school for fermentation, I don't think. But you definitely can these days.
2: How do I send you suggestions, Mary?
3: Ooh, You know what? We're Foment About It on pretty much everything. Twitter, Instagram, and fementaboutit at gmail.com.
2: How do you spell Foment About It, Mary?
3: (laughs) F-U-H-M-E-N-T-A-B-O-U-D-I-T.
2: D-I-T. D-I-T.
3: That's right. (laughs) Rachel? Oh, yeah. So, uh... My
4: highlights of the season, we talked about a lot of very interesting ferments this season. Um, We went into a lot of food stuff. There was a lot of vegetable fermentation. There was a lot of... uh, We finally talked about coffee and chocolate, which a lot of people don't realize are fermented products. Um, I especially really liked... um, talking about shochu with Stephen Lyman, I now know the difference between uh, shochu and soju, which I did not before, and I feel like a bad person, but I feel like less of a bad person because Stephen Lyman was like, a lot of people in Japan don't really know what shochu is made of, and now we do, and now you listeners also hopefully know what shochu is made out of. Uh, I also went back, uh, so it's, I was not on a couple of the episodes this season. I went back and listened to them, and I realized that the word um I don't know if you guys noticed that the word mucilage came up a whole bunch of times. (laughs) So I went and I did a little bit of research on mucilage, um, which is a kind of glutinous, gooey substance on a lot of plants, including both coffee and chocolate plants or cacao plants. Um, it is also the substance that is reactive um, and makes natto really sticky. So um, maybe we want to do a full episode on natto yes. next That's season plan. That's if we plan. can. I found a couple of places in Queens that um, seem to have authentic natto. <gasps> yes. So that seems really interesting. Also, this season I made a lot of cheese, and I don't really know how that started. But I did make a lot of cheese. I haven't ventured into feta yet. Uh, but I have the culture for it, and I'm excited to start. I also learned this year uh, that uh, I should not microwave my mozzarella or it becomes fail cheese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let, let, let that be a lesson to everybody. Don't microwave your mozzarella, or you'll just have cottage cheese. <laughs> Ooh, I like a... so that. Mozzarella is better.
2: Everybody's looking at me for uh, show highlights. Yeah, or that's right. The eyes are on me. Uh, Where I'm going to defer to Jaren. Hey, Jaren. Hey, Jaren's in the. Oh, wait, no, his mic's off. Uh, he doesn't get to speak. Uh, we cut you off a long time ago. Um, uh, I really, I also enjoyed the kimchi show. I enjoyed actually the fermentation um, uh, festival that we threw, and that it just like kind of, that was kind of part, that was my show highlight. Like, we, I interviewed invited a lot of people that we've had on the show in the, in the past and I met a lot of new people that, that will be in the show in, in the future and one of the things I love about this show is the diversity within it so I'm going to do the totally PC answer and say I love all of them and <laughs> I love all of you um, I, I seriously every, I'm so inspired by every show uh, and, and by the just flavor wise uh, on where to go and how to appreciate different things it's cool
3: yeah well, maybe Peace, we could take our kitchen man. back
2: where's that hallucinogenic need
3: <laughs> yeah, Ooh, I don't know. After watching that, I don't. I don't know. I'm going okay, to be yeah, very hesitant. I don't really want it. Um, so we've been having we we do talk about our apartment troubles from on occasion. <laughs> anyway, the electrician just finished, so we have maybe some some time where our apartment will not be full of dust and wires and
2: I believe it. I say chaos,
3: it. <laughs> uh, and we can get back to. We haven't been doing anything <laughs> in the kitchen lately because of this chaos. Oh, man. But um, I think we can.
2: Anyway, that's a wrap. Yeah, that's do a wrap. It. Uh, thank you for listening to Men About It, and please send us any suggestions for for the next season or the season after, or tell us what you like, what you dislike. And, uh or
3: maybe you—we uh, also want to do a It show, but um, maybe there's something out there that you're doing. We'd love to hear about it. You can send us an email. We'll read it on the air, or, hey, maybe you want to call in sometime, so please reach out to us.
2: And if you really like what you're listening to and all the shows on heritage radio network hit heritageradio network dot org slash donate and contribute to to keep this uh this this radio station alive it is an amazing we feel so blessed to be a part of it and uh to, to be able to share our experiences with you and to be inspired by you and all of our guests thank you for giving us the outlet to do that for men about
3: for men